How are you? Yeah, good, good. Todd, what's your name? My name's Danny Everingham. Danny, thank you for meeting with us today. Um, yeah, I'd just like to um, learn a bit about you, what you believe, why you do what you do. Um, first of all, like, um, let's start with where we are. Sure. So we're at, this is our property is called Mount Sterling. Yeah. Uh, we're about 10 k's west of Inverell, and this is fairly typical of um, this basalt um, cropping country. So we're we're on a bit of a, a natural hill at the back here, and uh, it probably sort of runs right in the valley. Yep. And you cleared this hill? Um, no, this was actually cleared about 20 or 30 years ago to build a, a phone tower on. Oh, true. So yeah. So there actually was a big natural knob here. Yeah. And they've actually pushed it all out. So where where standing is actually Phil. Oh, okay. Yeah. When we went to build the cross, I thought I was going to have all sorts of trouble digging a big footing. Yeah. And we started digging the excavator. We couldn't actually find any hard ground. Yeah. Because this is just all fill. So we ended up digging this massive footing just to get solid. And then how did you make it solid at the bottom? We actually concreted in a big, um, uh, like an X-shaped footing. And oh, okay. I understand now. Sorry. Yeah, we just lifted it up. Yeah, true. And can you explain to me why you why you built the cross in this particular position and why you built it? Um, well, why we put it here is it's a bit hard to see, but about four kilometres over there on the horizon is um, the main wider highway coming out of town. So actually, as you crest the hill, this is the highest spot on the horizon. Yep. Um, and so for about 30 seconds, you're, you're just looking towards a spot. Yep. Um, we want to put up a cross because um, we just want to let people know what Jesus did for us. Like he did so much for us, we just want to let other people know that he can do it for them as well. Okay, and um, and that's kind of what you had in mind for this area as well? Sure, so we have lots of um, barbecues, bonfires, just local community gatherings. Um, we have a lot to do with um, a lot of Islander friends, a lot of Aboriginal friends. Mm -hmm. so we often have big, like we had one here oh, a month or two ago, we had um, Fijians, Samoans, Vanuatuans, Aboriginals, people locals, some guys from Brisbane, yeah. you know, with a couple of hundred people, massive army. So not particularly people from the church only? Um, no, well, I mean, the whole reason we do church is is to um, serve people who are outside of church. Um, we actually, I don't know, you're probably not old enough. Have you ever seen the Clayton's ad? No, I haven't. No. <laughs> Clayton's was a, a, a drink that was non-alcoholic, but they used it for mixing... Whatever you call it when you mix drinks and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, so the ad used to always be oh, kind of like um, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Kind of like cordial. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so Clayton's the ad was uh, Clayton's is the drink when you're not having a drink. Yep. So we want to be the church for all the people who don't go to church. I see. Yeah. That's beautiful. I like it. I like how inclusive you are, and you're not, um, uh, I don't know, judging people that don't believe necessarily. You're trying to guide them to. To belief, I presume. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, yes and no. Like we, everyone, everyone gets to decide their own thing. That's the amazing thing. God has created us as people with a will and with a intellect and with a spirit, so that we can actually choose. We can choose what we believe. Yep. But ultimately, you know, we have to. We just want people to ask some big questions because lots of people are. I find, that especially Australians, yeah, we're super laid back. We're very casual, and we can be very lazy in our thinking. So any question that's a bit hard or stretches us a bit, yep. we'll often just put off to the never-never yeah. or pretend like it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, whereas it's actually really good sometimes just to take a little bit of time to think through life's big questions. You know, why am I here? What's life all about? Is there more life than this? Is God real? Whatever that is. And people get to choose that for themselves, but we just want you know this to be a safe place for people to come and actually ask big questions. Yep. Well, thank you. I guess I'm one of those people. It's all good. Um, so... You, you mentioned Jesus. So, um, what does what does Jesus mean to you? Uh, good question. Um, everything in a, in a nutshell. But um, 
when Jesus came to earth, like you got you got to think that you know we're created to know God. Like that's that's actually why we're on earth. God created us. Think about it. God knew everything. He knows, he knows all of history. Like, yes. We all either think that we are random, meaningless things that have come into existence. And I mean, Bertrand Russell, who's one of the most famous atheist philosophers, he said, "If you don't assume there's a God, then life has absolutely no meaning. Mm -hmm. if, if if we don't have a meaning for our existence, yep. then it's hard to get purpose out of life. And that's not the reason I believe in God. Because I believe in God, that gives me reason." So then I step back and I say, all right, if there is a God, if he's created me, then he actually meant to create me. Like, I'm here on purpose. I'm here for a reason. Mm -hmm. So he chose to create me because he wanted me to know him and love him the way he knows and loves me. Yep. Um, so Jesus is the ultimate out of that because Jesus is God coming to earth to make a way for me to know God. Because, you know, all of us have stuffed up. And the, the biggest thing I've done wrong and that everyone does wrong is that we actually turn our backs on God. We try and ignore him. We try and live in our own way and so that is the thing that really cuts off our relationship from God so Jesus came to do away with that to forgive us to bring us back to God Jesus being a reincarnation of God no, Jesus being God himself God himself yeah. in human form yeah um, and why do you think that is why do you think people shut off to God um, I suppose there's lots of reasons, and the main reason is that all of us want to just control ourselves. Like we want to just live for ourselves. Yeah. You know, fundamentally we're pretty selfish critters. Yeah. Um, and that's just what comes easy. It's what comes natural. And so, you know, to recognise that God is God, like it. Lots of people are sort of lazy in the way they think about this too. Is that they say, "Oh, I believe that there's a God out there, but I'm going to live for myself." Well, that sort of doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. Because if God is God, mm -hmm. then He's created me for a reason. He's created me for purpose. And if He's God, I need to recognise Him as God. Yeah. Um, or otherwise, you know, it's not going to go so well for me mm -hmm. down the track. Um, can you? Um, I'll come back to that. Can you yep. tell us a little bit about Jesus before I forget? A little bit about Jesus. Wait. Like um, about um, when he when he was born, where he was born, um, sure. what type like um, where he came from, what ethnicity he was. Yeah. So Jesus is a Jew. Yeah. So he's a Middle Eastern guy. Yeah. Um, he's actually a Galilean. So if you looked at a map of Israel, you sort of got it's sort of the opposite to Australia. Australia you got the sea on the east, and yeah, uh, Israel you have the sea on the west, and about halfway across is a mountain range just where Jerusalem is. Yeah. And then you have everything over here is all desert. Yeah. Galilee is actually right up the north. It's actually right on the border with Syria. Yep. Okay. Um, so like all of the beautiful country in Lebanon is just above it. Yeah. Galilee is this beautiful. It's actually not dissimilar to here. It's beautiful basalt country, beautiful basalt boulders. Yeah. Um, the Sea of Galilee is this uh, just a magical looking inland lake. Like it's. Mm -hmm. uh, 15 k's across, and I forget how long it is, like 25, 30 k's long, but it's a massive body of water. Yeah. Um, but basically the Jordan River flows into it and flows out from it. There's only one freshwater river in Israel. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in Galilee. That's in Galilee. Well, Galilee, sort of, it, the, the Jordan River flows into Sea of Galilee and then and it flows all the way down and becomes the border. So on that side is Jordan. Yep. On this side is Israel. Okay. Yeah. So Jesus is born in Galilee, which is like the northern country people like the country hicks of israel yeah so they're a little darker again um than even from the normal jews they just looked a bit different um you know probably only 30 percent were literate yeah um they're nearly all farmers and trades top people would say in, in modern language so he wasn't a rich man 
Absolutely not. So if you actually go, I've, I've been to where Jesus was born. Oh, yeah. Oh, true. Yeah. In yeah. Galilee. Yeah. In Galilee. So he's born in, well, he's born in Bethlehem, but he grew up in Nazareth. So yeah. I've been to both spots. But um, there's, a, there's a beautiful big valley. Um, like this, but much bigger, much more fertile than this. Yeah. And then right at the back of it is this ugly, hard, stony ridge, like just ugly. Big, like, you know, 20 times bigger than this hill. Mm -hmm. And on top of it is a little tiny town. Yeah. So all the rich people owned all the country in the valley. And if you couldn't afford to live in the valley, you'd have to live, live up on this hill. And that hill is Nazareth. That's, that's where Jesus grew up. So there's actually a common saying in Israel, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Because it was known as the place for battlers, the place where people went who didn't really fit in. Yep. So I think God did that on purpose, or he tells us he did it on purpose, to identify with the people who are struggling and down and out. And Jesus grew up as the poorest in the poorest area of Israel at a time when Israel was actually taken over by Rome. Mm -hmm. So Israel was literally slaves to the Romans. Yeah. So he grew up as part of a slave culture um, and then when he was born we'll talk about that in a second when he was born he actually had to flee to Egypt so he spent a couple of years as a refugee like Jesus experienced it all yeah. <laughs> he can really identify with people in, in 30 years he experienced a lot in 30 years 33 years of his total oh, life sorry. But he experienced yeah heaps but it's amazing I mean there's like 700 prophecies about Jesus all through the Bible that were written up to three and four thousand years before he was born and all of those were fulfilled in his life. And it'd be quite easy to say that, you know, if Jesus was super clever and conniving, he could try and pretend he's the Messiah by fulfilling some of them. But many of them, or the majority of them, um, are ones that he couldn't, like he couldn't choose where he was born. He couldn't choose when he was born. He couldn't choose the way he died. And yet there's hundreds and hundreds of prophecies about those details of Jesus' life that are fulfilled in him. When you say prophecy, what do you mean exactly? So, like, a guy like Isaiah, which I think was like 1500 years earlier, he says, you know, a son will be born, who will become the Messiah, and he'll be born in a little town of Bethlehem. So he prophesied, or he said in advance, what would happen. Yeah. And then all of those things come true in Jesus' life. Oh, uh, and that was written in the First Testament? Yes, in the Old Testament. Oh, okay. Yeah. True. Um, and you said you were going to say something about his... Oh, wait, no, you already said something about his birth, eh? Well, his birth was miraculous because um, basically the way it used to work back then is that people from Galilee were poor and the culture of the day is that young girls would get engaged when they were about 12 to 13. Mm -hmm. um, and normally they'd be for 12 months and then they'd be married. Yep. And their culture was super strict. So, I mean, lots of people today um, try before you buy a bit before they get married. Yeah. But back then it was like... Yeah, super strict. Like you were stoned on the spot. You know, yeah, that sort of thing. That was just part of the original culture. Um, and yet, um, Mary, who was Jesus's mother, had an angel literally come down and say, "You're going to become pregnant. It's going to be a miracle. God's going to do it." She wasn't married. She'd just been engaged. Um, and then all that come true. And then they appeared also to Elizabeth, who was her cousin, and she already knew that Mary was pregnant before Mary got there. There's a whole lot of things that, in the way that that fulfilled as well. Yep. So, um, I, I, bef uh, with Jesus, um, it sounds like he he didn't judge very much because he, he was born into a very, like, I don't know, one of the lower castes at the time. Sure. Like, um, do you think ethnicity mattered to him at all? 
No, well, he like he interacted with people from all over the world because at that time Jerusalem was like a major trading route. So there was people coming from all over the world through Jerusalem. From the east as well. From everywhere, yeah, from yeah. everywhere. So there was, um, yeah, we could list off people, but from from the known world, so Romans, Egyptians, um, Syrians, people from Lebanese, all those places. Okay. Um, coming back to you. When I ask you what um, what Jesus means to you, um, so what do you do um, on a, on a daily on, on a daily basis? Um, what what do you do? As in, what I do for a job? Oh well, um, I guess yeah, both. What do you do for a job? So uh, job, I'm a farmer. Yeah. Um, and also a pastor, little yeah. church in town, uh, which just means that um, the the the. The Greek meaning of the word, or the original meaning of the word, just means shepherd, someone who helps, protects, cares for, looks after people. And you feel like you're, um, is that the reason you're doing it? Um, the I'm, pastor part, not the farmer part. Yeah. <laughs> is, is what the reason? It, it, to, to take care of people? To sure, push it sure. I, um, I, th I think, like, um, just like when you become a parent, like you haven't got kids yet, I've got yeah. five kids. Um, oh, congratulations. I didn't realize you had that, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's really good. So, um, my wife and I have got five kids, and you sort of, like, I grew up in a big family. I got, um, I'm the eldest of five boys. Yep. And, you know, 60 cousins, all that sort of thing. And so, I was around kids all my life, and I like kids and spent a lot of times, but it is completely different when you have your own child. Yep. Because, you know, you're expecting it, you know, for nine months, you're getting all ready, and then the instant it's born, it's just like, it's, it's overwhelming. Even, even, like, I love my wife to death. Um, and I'm not saying I love my kids more. I'm just saying that when you when you grow to love your wife, that happens over time. Yep. With kids, the instant they're born, yep. it's just that instant. It, it just almost feels overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and that's that's a really good thing. Um, so that's something that God gives us because God is the ultimate Father. It's like He's got the Father's heart, and so that's just a gift. Though having that sort of heart for your kids is something we get from God. So having a heart for people is something that God gives us as well. Yeah. Because that's His heart for people. So it's just. We share a little bit of that. Yeah. And um, how uh, how many days a week uh, do you commit to being a pastor? Like, um, do you only do it at the church, or was it elsewhere as well? No, nah, we, we sort of <laughs> we we sort of do whatever comes up. Yeah. So um, we don't really put a limit on it. Like whatever oh, okay. whatever comes up, we have to do. So we have church on Sunday, obviously. Yeah. But we're talking people all through the week. Yeah. We run um, seminars in the high schools just mm -hmm. to help out with kids. We, I'm actually a chaplain at uh, Binderee um, yep. Abattoirs, so I go in there just talking with people, any issues they have in their life and trying to help them through. Mainly just giving people a source of hope. Yep. So many people really lack a genuine purpose and, and reason for hope in their life. And you're not doing this to guarantee a place in the promised land? Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, you're just doing this to, to pay it forward? Absolutely not. So, um, sorry to reiterate. What is the reason you're doing? You're committing your life to the the chaplain, helping people. Like anytime you have questions, even talking to me and and explaining and teaching me. Sure. Well, it's just I'm just chatting with you. But um, I suppose I'm just when I think about all that Jesus has done for me, it's so overwhelming that you just want to um, live in response to that, or you want to live in gratitude to that. So it doesn't in any way earn my right to go to heaven. It doesn't in any way give me anything free whatever everything God gives me is grace it's for free but then in response it's just like um, it's just like with my kids you know I love my kids there's nothing they can do to earn my love they're just my kids because they're my kids yeah but then because they're my kids it's good for them to um, 
respond. So they'll give me a hug, they'll treat me with respect, whatever yep. that is. Yeah. That reason now, yeah, I get that. Um, and, uh, right. Yeah, that's right. Um, where else have you, um, have you been anywhere around the world? Um, sure. Like sure. For this same reason? Um, sure, been fortunate to go to South Africa a couple of times, yep. um, but particularly we go to Uganda. Normally we go there every year, except we've been locked down by COVID the last couple. Yep. Um, and then we've been to a few other places, but Uganda is the main spot where we go. Just I've had a friend who's been going there a long time, so uh, like six years ago I went with him, and um, uh, you meet the people there. They're just beautiful. They're so gracious and welcoming, and and just so hungry for uh, truth and for hope and all that. Um, and so we formed some really good relationships and so I've just been going back every six or 12 months. And is, is, is it the same reason you go, as you said, the reason you do all the work here? For, um, is, it, is that the same reason you go to Africa? Absolutely, absolutely. Just go to share some of the love that God's poured on me. Like, okay. Yeah, there's nothing you can do to earn it, but it's just so beautiful and so overwhelming, you just want to share some of it. I think that's a nice way to put it, share some of the, the love God's poured on you. It's, um, but why, uh, why are Uganda? Why Africa? Why not Don't South know. America? Um, good question. I suppose I just prayed about opportunities and this opportunity came up and, and like you meet lots of people and some people you just get a real connection with. Mm -hmm. And when we initially went over there, we met you know, some of the leaders and a lot of the people and just like this instant connection. It's just like you felt like they're just part of your family. Yep. Um, and so that's been really good. We, like every time I go over, you know, they're thankful because they think we're coming to do stuff, but we're just so thankful because we learn so much more by going over and we get so blessed just by being around those people. And um, But we've been part of building, um, I've had a bit of a background in building of sorts, not really, like I'm not a tradesman, but I've just been involved in some. Yep. So we sort of supervised some buildings over there. We built a compassion, like a, a church for want of a better word, but it's just a big community center yep. in the middle of the poorest, suburb in Mbali, which is on the eastern edge of rural Uganda. That's Mbali, by the way, not in Bali. Yeah. <laughs> M for Mary, Bali. Yeah. Mbali, yeah. Um, so the suburb's called Namatala. Yeah. Um, and so we had a good friend who's right there and who has a little church there. So we built a, uh, it's actually a pretty big seat, like eight, 900 people. Yeah. But it can be used for church, can be used for training centers. They bring in all their um, church leaders and that just to do training with them. It's gonna, as soon as COVID lifts, it'll start to be used as a compassion center. That, that must have felt incredible when that got completed. Uh, it was very good. It was a long process. There's lots of other people involved, like I just a really small cog in the wheel. Yeah. Um, but it was really good. Um, the last stage, actually, like before, every time we'd go over, we'd do a stage. Like we'd go over for two or three weeks, we'd travel around and help different places, but we'd come back there for like three or four days. So for three or four days, we'd just go, you know, hammer and tongs. Yeah. We'd have like 40 blokes on site working yeah. and we'd whack up like a whole nother stage mm -hmm. and then it'd have to wait six or 12 months till we went back again. You'd go hammer and tongs for three or four days. But because of COVID, it was actually good. We could really delegate a lot to, to the guys over there. Yep. While we're over there, we built some really good relationships with some engineers and supervisors. And so we got them to come in and so- Ugandan engineers? Ugandan guys, oh, yeah. True. We used locals for everything. Oh, yeah. awesome. So all local pastors, local doctors, local builders, everything. Yeah. We're just, we're just there to support and equip the people that are already there because they can look after their people far better than they can. So it's safe to say that you saw a lot of results through your support with other people? Um, in Uganda? Well, you see, you see God changing people. That's one of the beautiful things of being involved in anything. Is you see, you know, someone come along who has a heart really to seek after God, and and all of a sudden God just comes and meets with them, and it just totally changes the way they live 
and then you see them affecting all these other people. Yeah. So that's nothing really to do with me. I'm just a bystander. So you credit the, the success over there to God more than you? Absolutely. Totally unreservedly. <laughs> awesome. I like your passion. Um, well, thank you. This is this is awesome so far. Um, uh, to change topic slightly, do you have you ever considered um, throughout your life any other faiths? Um, well, basically, I lived for myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I was just a normal teenager going through the whole bit. Yeah. Um, and then God, like, literally, I was in a meeting one day, and it was just like it was like God come down and shook me and said, "It's time for you to know me." Yep. Um, so I haven't really before that, but since that I've met lots of people. So one of the beautiful things about you know, going to Bindaria, you know, Bindaria's got like 850 people working there yep. from 28 nations, I think now. Oh really? Yeah. I didn't heaps, know it was that many nations. Oh, heaps Jeez. of people, yeah. So there's, there's lots of, like there's a lot of Fijians, about 100 and, 100 and, there's 160 Pacific Islanders there at the moment. So there's about 110 Fijians, there's 30 or more Venua, uh, Samoans, there's about 20 Vanuatuans, but there's probably 80 or 100 Brazilians, there's quite a few Filipinos, there's, and then there's lots of little pockets. So there's some Romanians, and there's there's lots of people. Yeah. True. Yeah. All come specifically to work at the vendory. All the Pacific Labor schemes. That's been a big thing in the last couple of years. Have come, and they're actually their visas tied to Bindari, so they have to work for no one but Bindari for three years. Oh, okay. Most of the other people, um, the Brazilians, they tend to come just for Bindari. Yeah. Um, a lot of the other people come like as three-year work visas or whatever, and they can yep. work places around the place so, oh okay yeah. so through there you've met other people of other faiths as well sure well like i've met people other place but through there so i've met uh, pakistani guys who obviously devout muslims and um yeah. uh, I mean, you meet all sorts of people you meet mm -hmm. hindus and you meet yeah plus i've you know i used to live on the coast so you meet lots of people there and yep. traveling overseas once you start traveling you meet people from everywhere yep what what's what's the big difference between christianity and other Abrahamic faiths being Judaism and Islam. Sure. Glad For you, you what's the big difference? Yeah. <laughs> the big difference, well, it's, it's not just against those religions, it's basically against all religions, is that pretty much, so let me say this, I don't believe Christianity is a religion. Yep. I know that's just a play on words, but pretty much all religions are about trying to make myself right with God, trying to be good enough, trying to earn brownie points. Australians use, I don't know, yep. know that word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Try and just earn your way to God. Whereas Christianity is the exact opposite. Christianity is God himself realizes that we're stuffed up and we can't make ourselves right, we can't be good enough. Mm -hmm. um, so he actually come down in Jesus and died in my place, in your place, so that we can have a relationship with God again. He actually, so all of my wrongdoing is put on Jesus and all of his perfection is put on me. So it's, it's the polar opposite. I'm not trying to earn my way to God because Jesus has come for me, so in grace, He's come and now all I do is surrender to him or, or give my life to him. Um, and then so he reforms the relationship. It's a bit like having a kid. So someone, um, like if you come along and did a really good job, you started to work on the farm and all that sort of stuff, you know, I would have to pay you as I went. But you could never, and you might even earn enough money to buy the farm, but you could never become my son. Yeah. And I've got sons who have travelled away and do other things. And even if they never come back and work on the property, there's nothing that they can do to stop them being my son, they're my son. Mm -hmm. And so when I come to Jesus, or when I come to God, he actually makes me his child. Yep. And so that's not a works, earnings, anything. That's just, that's literally a gift that he gives me. And then once I'm that, I'm that forever. You don't think um, uh, in Islam, like 
Prophet Muhammad can give a similar type of gift to connect people with God, or it's different? Well, well, it doesn't. Like if you read the Quran, and I'm not, I'm not. So I, I really don't want to speak on behalf because I don't understand it yeah, well I enough, obviously. That. But um, I've read a lot about it, um, and all of the interpretation I, I've read is that it's really a faith or a religion based on trying to earn yourself back with yeah with as opposed to just being accepted Absolutely. by Jesus yep as opposed to it being a free gift grace is the word grace which just means free gift yep. is like the foundation of understanding christianity yep and um so so what other so is it just that experience you had that god came down to you and and presented himself to you is that the reason that you're sh so sure that this that that this is the truth um well that's that's one reason i mean the thing i love about truth is that um it's just truth so it stacks up so you mm -hmm. can have doubts you can ask questions you can investigate it like it's actually i think really healthy to um look through these things and work it out for yourself yep um so christianity is faith in that like you know, God isn't physical, so I can't touch him and, and see him. But there's lots of evidence for that faith. So I don't think Christianity is a leap of faith or a blind leap in the dark. I think it's uh, an act of faith based on solid evidence. Yep. So there's a whole lot of stuff like um, the way the world's created and the intelligence behind the design and the way even now that finally science is starting to catch up to <laughs> the Christian um, concept of creation like big bang is basically just a scientific way of explaining creation it all backs up exactly um the the evidence for jesus for his life for his um even his enemies couldn't question his moral integrity or his perfection um the way that jesus died and then rose again the evidence for the resurrection is is overwhelming i think so there's lots of we could go into all sorts of different areas so, so all these and more are reasons why it is the unerring truth all these and more are evidence for why I have faith. So Christianity at its core is still a faith. God says, I am God and you have to choose to believe in me. So that's mm -hmm. that's a step of faith. But then there's all this evidence to back up that faith. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. That's um, eloquently said. Um, is, uh, you, you, in previous conversations, we've um, you've mentioned before um, to be nominally Christian. Yeah. Could you be explain what what um I know I don't know if that's a common term, but what does it mean to be a nominal Christian? Yeah. Well, uh, um, I don't know whether that's a word people use. It's a lot of people. Um, a lot of people like to have a foot in both camps. Like yeah. it's really it's it's really easy to think Jesus was a good bloke. He's a good teacher. Um, I sort of believe in God, but I want to live for myself, so I'll have a foot in both camps. Yeah. Um, or People will even go further and will go along to church because you know most people at church are nice people. It's a nice community to be part of. Yeah. Um, but there's a difference between that and being absolutely sure that God is God and committing your life to following Him. And that's how Jesus describes being a Christian. Like He describes it as all or nothing. You know, He actually uses the word born again, which means like that's when He gives us new life. That's when we become His child. Yep. And then after that, he says, basically, you just got to live for me flat out. Yep. Whereas, I mean, it doesn't make any sense to think, to me, I don't think it's logically or, or, or um, I don't think it's rationally plausible to say, I believe in God, but I'm going to live like he doesn't exist. Or I believe in God, but I'm not going to 
live as if he is my God. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. So, so, so it's more important as a as a true. So, what's the op- Sorry, what is the opposite of a nominal Christian? Well, the, what's the, the definition? The Bible of just it? talks about a Christian or a believer. Like it doesn't sort of. It, so a believer is probably the term. Yeah, right? sure. Um, so, so is it is it more important to to devote yourself to God and believe in and give everything, or or follow the teachings of Jesus? Um, like, if you could only choose one, I, I understand. <laughs> as a good Christian, you need to do both. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose the, the it's just getting back to the start again. The way you become a Christian is just by coming to Jesus and saying, "I've got nothing to offer." Yeah. But I, I choose to believe in you. I choose to trust you, and that's when He gives you forgiveness and He makes you the child of God. Yep. Um, I think that if if you recognise, like, if you actually realise how much He's done for you, then you'll want to just live for Him, and that's sort of the way the Bible describes it. That if if you recognise how much He's done for you, then you want to commit all your life to Him. The committing all your life doesn't make you a Christian any more than you know me going to McDonald's doesn't make me a hamburger. Um, yep. But being a Christian is being a son, just like my kids are mine. Yep, I get you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Uh, I, I don't know. Do I have any other questions? I feel like I've gotten most of. of a, do you have anything else do you want to say about about your faith? Um, I'll have a look for your questions first. <laughs> yeah, I feel like some of the questions were a bit more staggered. I'm definitely going to get criticized on that. But hey, what's life yeah. without criticism? It's all good. Yeah, what is um, the opposite of the promised land? Like, if if somebody doesn't go there, um, where do they go? Um, do you mean what's the opposite of heaven? I presume because when we were, I was at your your, your um, at the church, yeah. and you were given the sermon. You meant you talked a lot about the promised land, uh, sure. and not about heaven. Is the promised land heaven? Um, so the the day you're at church, we we're actually talking about a story. That happened a couple of thousand years ago when the Israelites literally come out of Egypt after they've been enslaved there for a long time yep. and come into the land of Israel. Mm-hmm. Back then, it was the land of Canaan, and that was they called it the Promised Land. Oh, okay. So, but that's like a metaphor for um, for us going to heaven or being in a oh, right relationship okay. with God. Yep, yep. Okay. So it was just a, a metaphor at that time. Yeah. Yep. I see. Yep. And um, and the opposite of of heaven. The opposite of hell, well, the Bible describes it and calls it hell as a physical place, but it just means, so if, if um, like, the sunlight that we feel in our back, which is beautiful, and the wind, like, mm-hmm. everything that's good here, friendship, loyalty, families, love, trust, all of the good things actually come from God. Yep. So this will sound weird, but hell isn't um, God particularly doing something bad. It's just all of God being removed from the earth. Oh, I see. If if you removed all of the goodness of God, yep. all of the grace, all of the beauty, all of the love, mm-hmm. then what is left is basically pure agony. Yeah, I get you. And so when we turn our backs on God, when we say, God, I, I, I don't want you to be Lord of my life, mm-hmm. all hell is, is God saying, all right. Yeah, so it's just him so, backing away. And, and what makes heaven so good is heaven is just all of God. Yeah. It was all of his presence, all of his love, all of his goodness. But didn't he also create, like if he created everything, didn't he also create the bad things? In the earth? Yeah. Well, originally he didn't. Originally the earth was good. It was all good. But see, the original people chose to live for themselves, just like yep. we all have. We've all done the same thing. Yeah. And so when when they did that, when they, choose to, when they chose to turn away from God, 
that's when you know everything started to deteriorate and corrupt and that's when um, like evil desires come into people's hearts because yep. they chose to live for themselves rather than for God. Before that, everything was hunky dory. Like yep. every time, if, if you go back and read the story of creation, every day when God created, He said, "Oh, that was very good. That was very good." You know? yep. Including when He created the people. You know, they were beautiful. They were perfect. Yep. Um, and uh, so, uh, how do you not get into the promised land? How do you not get into heaven? Mm-hmm. I well, mean, into heaven. Yep. So, yes. Let's go the other way. There's only one way into heaven. That's the easy way to describe it. So there's only one way into heaven. And that's by coming to Jesus. Yep. The Bible says like hundreds and hundreds of times. Jesus said himself, if you just come to me, and, and um, the word it uses in the old is repent. That just means turn from your sin, like turn to God. Yeah. And so I believe in you. That's how you get to heaven. Yep. I understand. There's nothing we do to earn it. Okay. Literally turning to Jesus. So it's just that sincere belief. Sincere belief. That's all it is. Giving yourself. But that is the only way you get to heaven. Yes. And so every other way doesn't lead to heaven. Yep. But I presume, like, it comes hand in hand. Like, when you commit yourself to Jesus, you've got to treat people with respect. Don't judge sure. people. Sure. You know what I mean? You can't, like, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not I'm not making a statement here. Just, a, sure. like, a question. But, like, you can't really... Uh, commit yourself to Jesus and then turn around to somebody of a different, different ethnicity and then slander them based on their sure. ethnicity. Is that sure? Well, the, the Bible says that heaps of times actually that you know it's, it's all good to say you have faith, but then um, the way you live will prove that faith is genuine. Yeah, so it's not just about saying it, it's about living that That's faith. It. Well, a genu- it's about believing, so there's, it's not the living it that gets you to heaven, but if you genuinely believe it, then it's going to change the way you live. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, thank you very much. I think, wait, um, well, I've got this one, but I don't know, I think we may have covered it. Did you become a Christian because you were scared of not going to heaven or because you were attracted to the idea of being in heaven? Um, good question. Uh, it's, in all honesty, I, I don't think it was because I was scared of not getting to heaven, but it's, it's, it's never just one thing, particularly then because I had such a, immature understanding of who God is and of what he's offering me. So, I mean, that's the that's also the awesome thing about God is that he loves us so much that he wants us to come back to him anyway. Like, And so if people are scared of hell, then he'll let them come to him and then they'll learn all the other stuff. And if people come to him for really good motivations, then that's good, they're just a step ahead. Yep. Um, but once we come to God, then we actually get to know him as a person just like like we can actually speak to him we can read you know he's written down what he says in the bible which is such an awesome thing because i can't stuff it up i can't put my own interpretation on it i can't mess it up i can actually read what he says to me mm-hmm. um so it's, it's like there's a two-way relationship it makes it really good yep that's beautiful um i think i think i've got it all but um I think I asked you this kind of already. You kind of explained it because God came down to you. But what makes you so sure that the Bible is the ultimate truth? Yeah. As opposed to, well, I guess you you do believe that um, the Torah, uh, the 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 Old Testament, is truth as well, though, right? Sure, sure. Yeah, like, the Old Testament is part of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. So um. What, so the Torah is just the first five books of the Old Testament. So it's like yeah. the first quarter. Yeah. So what um. 
what uh, like what what makes you so sure that the Bible is the ultimate truth as opposed to let's not think about other Abrahamic religions let's think about Hinduism, Taoism, Sufism, sure, sure. all the other religions because they've been around for what they say to be the beginning of time sure, as well. Sure. Um, well, I mean, again, I'd go back and have a look at all the evidence. So it's not just one thing. Like, mm -hmm. I, I really like um, the Bible because there's no error in it. It's like, it's so complete in its history and it's everything it says about who God is. Mm -hmm. The New Testament, like, this is getting a bit boring probably, but... Um, oh, no, it's all good. I love boring. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, you know, the way you um, look at ancient documents is you look at how long was the, the, um, the manuscript written from when the actual event happened yep. and then and how many copies of it were uh, um, retained in original form yep. and and so much that we know of history like in relation to Caesar and others you know there's there's like five copies of a manuscript written by a historian 600 years after and that sort of thing you can go through and all the, the really big things um, um, Achilles and Troy and what we know about um, Alexander the Great and all those sort of things that there's, there's five ten 20, 30 copies of, and they're always written hundreds and hundreds of years after. Yep. But the, the New Testament was written by eyewitnesses, people who were literally there, not historians. Yep. People who, who lived with Jesus, who watched him eat and drink, who saw him after the resurrection. And it was written like only 30 years after Jesus died and went back to heaven. So it was given to people who were also eyewitnesses. Yep. Like the audience were eyewitnesses. Yep. So they could discredit it if it wasn't true. And there's like... 15,000 original copies mm -hmm. so in terms of manuscripts or, or ancient historical manuscripts the New Testament is regarded as the most accurate document we have where is where are those um those 1500 copies kept today um are they still around a lot of them are like there's 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 a lot of I'd have to go back and have a look they'd um, be at Jesus's um tombstone wouldn't they no not his tombstone these ways look up alpha Alpha. Alpha, Alpha is an awesome course that it describes some of the big questions mm -hmm. of life. And yep. in like the second one, I think, they actually go into some detail for five minutes describing um, the manuscripts of the New Testament. Okay. But that's just a small, there's, there's the evidence of creation. You know, the, the thing that is most convincing to me is the evidence of Jesus himself. Yep. The way he lived, the way he's, I mean, you know, in modern technology, you know, my phone... I took it out. My kids laugh at me. Like, my phone's like three years old. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the most modern thing there is. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my, my ute's 11 years old and it's just ridiculously obsolete already. Like, yeah. Technology's moving so quick. Mm -hmm. But the moral teachings of Jesus, like, we're now 2,000 years on and they've never been improved on in any way. They are still the most complete, the most inspired um, set of teachings that's ever been in history. And the, most of our civilization, all the good bits, are actually built on the teaching of Jesus. You know, to say to love your neighbor as yourself, that is Jesus' direct quote. Then to go further and actually be really radical and to say to love your enemies as yourself. Mm -hmm. um, if we got hold of all of the teachings of Jesus, yeah. it would fix most of the problems in the world. Do you think, um, do you think like the, the West um, embrace that? Like um, as in, sorry, let me rephrase the question. Um, do you think the Western forces fighting in the Middle East at the moment are embracing the teachings of Jesus by, by loving their enemies? Um, well, that's a really hard one because there's lots of, there's so many complex parts of that. I mean, look at what's happening in Afghanistan now. It's breaking my heart because we, I actually have quite a few friends in that area or who serve in that area. My own daughter was in 
northern Iraq and Kurdistan only last year. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's so many people there that, that um, the forces were supposedly trying to protect. In some ways they were, but then there's also been terrible things done to other people. So it's a, yeah. you can't I, I, I wouldn't it. say, well, in my opinion, I, I don't know if, if those American forces and allies were there for for good more than they were there for profit. It's, it's really hard to know. I mean, it's Even hard to know. they weren't the, necessarily fighting good. But Yeah, it's hard to know what the truth is in all that because yeah. we're such small people and there's such big... And we're so forces. far away as well. Yeah, yeah. But, but now, like, I was literally talking to a lot of my good friends in Uganda, not last night, not before, and 2,000 of the Afghan refugees have just been flown into Uganda. Oh, really? Yeah, so sure. we're organising for some of our people to go and start helping and serving them there. Oh, okay. So that's going to be a great opportunity. That's awesome. Um, Last question. Um, could, so, when Australia got colonised, um, a lot of the justification for Australia's colonisation was not all of it. I mean, it was to find new lands, but a lot of people came over here to spread the word of God. There were a lot of missionaries, you know what I mean, converting Aboriginal people to Christianity. Sure. Do you think the original intention has been, uh, like, do you think? Do you think those missionaries have, over these 200 years, succeeded in their goal of um, bringing God to Aboriginal people? Um, again, it's very complex because there's lots of different people with different motivations. And so some of the... So to first to um, um, do a disclaimer, whatever, mm -hmm. my, my ancestor, uh, want a better word, came out on the... Um, firstly, as a convict, so not by choice. Yep. Um, he was actually on the first boat to come into Botany Bay. Oh, okay. And he was actually on the, the landing rowboat that rode ashore. So he's in the very first 10 men that come ashore. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and he was a 17-year-old kid who'd been picked up for um, stealing in, in London. He actually had a job delivering books for solicitors. Mm -hmm. um, and he was starving and freezing to death. Yeah. And he sold one of those books to buy food. And he got seven years hard labor for that. Yeah. And he served about three and a half years on the hulks. Um, in, in England, they used to just put them on ships, basically, and they used to sit out below the water level. Yeah. Um, he lived for three and a half years like that. And then, On his way to Australia? No, that was while... That's just where they were waiting. Oh, really? That was actually the main motivation for England, is they were so overloaded with prisoners. Oh, okay, I see. Yeah. So the first fleet was only convicts and a few guards. That's all that was in it. Yeah. It wasn't until the settlers came, you know... 20, 30 years later. Yep. Um, but anyway, he so he served another three years in Australia. Yep. Got let out. He married a girl who came out in the second fleet. Yeah. Um, this is a bit of a rough, random fact, but the first fleet, about 80% of the people actually survived the journey out here mm -hmm. because they were paid per person that they delivered to Australia. Yeah. The second fleet, which included a lot of women, they weren't paid for delivering. They were just paid per head to leave England. Oh, Only 30% okay. made the journey. Oh, because they didn't have any incentive to get them here. No. So sure. that's how many died or were, um, you know, critically injured on the way out. Wow. 30% walked off the boat. It was about 15 or 20% they carried off the boat and the rest had died at sea. So, yeah, I was incorrect saying before that the original motivation was to bring God to Australia. The original motivation was to rid England of criminals. That's, yeah, yeah I mean, and also they were in a huge expansion phase. So they were just trying to get land everywhere and yeah. all that sort of thing. But, but they did bring with them Christianity as part of their culture. Yeah. Um, and so um, my old guy, Matthew James Everingham, like he married this girl. They had 10 kids. They raised all 10 kids, which is absolutely unheard of back then. Mm -hmm. um, uh, he himself was speared through the stomach twice by Aboriginals, and I think his property was burned out four times. Mm -hmm. But yet he actually worked a lot 
to get on with Aboriginal people. One of his kids actually married an Aboriginal. Oh, really? Um, one of his sons become a preacher, and I think they say he was the first Australian-born um, Wesleyan preacher in Australia, oh. which is good. Um, but, you know, I can only speak for um, my motivation. It's bringing the love of God to anyone is a really good thing. Mm -hmm. Everything can get distorted when when people have um, when people have influence yeah. when wealth comes into it when land comes into it when you know it's when we let some of our own selfishness get mixed up with with the truth of who God is yep. that things get distorted but um, I have a heap of really good Aboriginal mates um, I was actually we had a a, um, a big outreach barbecue welcome night at Tinga only a month ago mm -hmm. um, we had a heap of them here oh, a couple of weeks before that and we were in Glenninus and had a big one with a heap up there um, only a week or two ago, um, yep. Pastor Paul and, uh, and Arnie Bell are some of my good mates. Yeah, do you think most of the Aboriginal community here are Christians? Or do any of them um, practice the original Aboriginal spirituality? Uh, both. both. So, simultaneously? No. Um, oh, as in different... There's, there's yeah. different, different people doing different things. Yeah, yeah. There's a wide variety, just like there's a wide variety in every other group. Yep, yeah. understood. Well, thank you very much. That was awesome. Do you have anything else you want us and say about Jesus and God um, to the world? <laughs> if not, all um, good. That could that could last a long time. <laughs> no, I'd, um, I'd only say that it'd be really good. I'd, I'd challenge you to actually think about it for yourself, to actually um, really think through whether the evidence for Jesus stacks up. And, you know, obviously it, he's a historical person. You know, there's so much written about his life. It's really easy to look into his life. Um, can I suggest a really easy spot to do that is is a thing like a called Alpha, which is just really simple video you can watch. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd really challenge you to to work out who Jesus is because of Jesus didn't like you can't. Bono said it really well. Sorry, I'm, I'm rambling. No, Bono okay. said that if you, Jesus is either a complete lunatic, like a complete nut job, he's a maniac. Or he's the son of God. There's sort of no, there's no halfway. You can't say, oh, he's a good teacher, he's a good prophet, he's a nice person. I just want to know about him. Like, if Jesus is a complete nut job, you just need to forget him, blow him off like any other nut job. But if the truth of Jesus, if the evidence for him stacks up, then you've really got to take seriously his claim that he's the son of God, and that everything, like, he's either completely true or none of it's true. There's yep. no half measures. So I just challenge you to have a look at who Jesus is. I love it. Thank you very much. And sorry, this is the last question. What Bible would you recommend? Ah, oh, not fussy. Um, it's good, like, all, all Bibles are good, but there's more modern translations. So there's one actually called the New Living Testament, NLT, which is just a fairly modern, easy-to-read version. Yep. But there's lots of good ones, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, Danny awesome. Everingham. <laughs> good, mate. <laughs> Sorry, Danny Everingham. Thank you. Oh, that was awesome, mate.